what it is! How's it going everybody? Today we're going to be talking about Do the Right Thing, hitting you with another retro review in honor of Black History Month. We're going to be talking about all the things. We're going to be talking about the heat, delicious pizza places, people out here just popping fire hydrants, racial injustice, all the stuff. So if you want to hear what we have to say, sit back, relax, grab a snack, grab a beverage, and listen on in to the first ones to die. Hello everyone, welcome to the first ones to die podcast. My name is Jonathan. I am here with Alex and Jerome. How are you guys doing? Alex, how are you doing? I am good. I'm doing okay. It's been a weird week. I went back to my old apartment at work, so it's been interesting getting readjusted there, but uh, not too bad, though. Wait, so. did you say apartment or department? Department. Okay, it sounded like, like you said, said apartment. apartment. <laughs> I went to my old apartment at work. <laughs> It did not. <laughs> Y'all just need to listen more clearly. Uh, either way, it's it's just been an interest. It's been an interesting week being back there, but it's it's not too bad. I've had a pretty pretty solid week. It went by pretty far, so it's pretty good. How about you, Jerome? How you doing? Good. Uh, I've just realized uh, earlier today that uh, I've been like my updates in the past few weeks have not been very. Uh, fulfilling because like because i've been forgetting all the stuff i've been watching i've been watching a lot of stuff oh i'm gonna interrupt you before you go on your list of things you've been watching i watched the new jeepers creepers movie oh and you hated it uh jeepers wait, creepers the new one? Was, wait there's a new one there's yeah. a new one it's called oh Reborn. yeah we talked it's we talked yeah. about it but I, I i didn't realize it was out <laughs> it was it's on hulu it's streaming on hulu now uh it is so bad you you see the creature randomly at the beginning. They talk about the three movies. Uh, it's part of that world. Like they're like, oh yeah, they made movies out of it. And blah blah blah. So it's like an urban legend in this new movie. It was so boring and bad. About half an hour in, this is about a ninety minute movie. Half an hour in, they still hadn't shown like the monster properly. By the way, they call him Creeper in the movie, which is stupid. I shut I mean, it off and actually is, just went to bed. What is his name? He doesn't have a name. He's just okay. Jeep, then they just creepers. named him. That's all. Yeah, but like, oh, <laughs> the creepers coming to get you. That sounds yeah. like a dude I just saw on the bus. All right. Or he <laughs> drives a bus, a murder bus. He drives. He drives a tricked out. But in this one, he like the the bus thingy truck was like just this opening credit scene for this weird documentary that they watched at the beginning. And then he does everything in like this horrible house that he sets up as a trap. None of the characters are like, well, except like maybe one guy and it was a black guy and pretty much I was worried he was going to die half the time. But he actually survives at the end. So, you know, progressive. Um, But it was so bad. I just I shut it off in the middle because they still hadn't shown the monster. And I just went to bed, woke up this morning, finished it. The CGI, Jerome, you would have so much to say about the CGI of this film. It was so bad. Everything was CGI. I didn't, I'm not even sure they use an actor to play the the creeper. It was just, oh my God. There were so many things wrong with the film and just like, they shouldn't have. They just shouldn't have. 
it would have been smarter to release Batgirl, you know, <laughs> and taking that loss Which to I produce wish whatever this was. They would release at one point. Yeah, not they're never gonna. I would give anything to have that switch right now. I don't know why. Because people, those are the people who are like, they should have released Batgirl. Are people who were not gonna watch Batgirl, and even if they did, they did not give two shits about Batgirl. <laughs> it's because they. Well, I would have watched Batgirl. I think it would have been fun. <laughs> Me too. I would have watched. But at it. the same time, it was just like Jonathan. You don't like superhero so movies? Bad. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, first he's watched of all, them all though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> at least most of them. Most of them. <laughs> You don't watch and a lot I of like, DC ones. No, it's probably the opposite. I watch a lot of the DC ones. I probably, well, I watch most of them. In fact, let me just get to my update because I watched Black Panther. I didn't get to mine. On Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your you list got, goes. You, yeah, you, you got to actually it. have a list. You just you assumed there was a list. <laughs> you literally said I watched a lot. <laughs> No, I was just gonna roll through it. I wasn't gonna give you a detailed, elaborate explanation of it because I don't have that type of time. Uh, no, I was just gonna say I watched Megan a few weeks back. It's not as funny as I thought it was going to be. That was disappointing. Uh, I talked to Jasmine about that. I was like, you know, the only reason it looks ridiculous is because of that dancing she does. But I'm like, it's meant to represent a younger generation. That's how they dance, like on TikTok and shit. Not I was like, it looks really. It's like, really just in suppo- the previews. It's just for in the jokes. Previews. It's not supposed to represent anything. It's just like, hey, wouldn't it be well, silly no, if I she just like, danced in the middle of this movie? <laughs> well, that. But I was like, the dance moves are ridiculous. But I was like, oh wait, that's how like they dance in like TikTok and shit. And then I was like, oh yeah, they're she's dancing like a child would for like social media or something. I mean, if she broke out into 90s or 80s dance, it'd still look ridiculous, but it'd be like, oh, okay, she's just doing those moves. Yeah, so uh, Megan was a bit of a disappointment. Still don't think it's awful, but it's whatever. Um, been watching Legend of Vox Machina. Been a lot of fun. Get me back in the D&D mood. Um, and I watched, because I'm on my, uh, my journey to try and watch all the Oscar movies, or at least a good chunk of them before the Oscars comes out. So I watched Top Gun Maverick. In fact, I watched a double feature. I watched Top Gun, then Top Gun Maverick, back to back on Paramount+. Plus. And uh, I'd seen Top Gun, never seen Top Gun Maverick. And it's now joined the list, and it's a very small list of movies that have made me cry. I don't know why Top Gun Maverick got Aww. me, but it got me. I was like, <laughs> I, was, I had tears in my eyes. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, no! I was, I was very emotional. So, yeah. Anyway, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I uh, I watched Black Panther. Oh, you guys go ahead. My mom is calling me. I think it's something serious because I she's calling me back. So <laughs> okay, all right, go, go for it. You can't ignore a call from your mom. You right, can't. exactly. Um, I I watched Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh. Yeah, Black History Month. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, I was gonna be like Black History Month. Yeah, wait, wait, a, a good way to bring in Black History Month. Um, also started watching the Proud Family season two. Proud Family, Louder and Prouder on Disney Plus season two. Disney Plus is also. I, Go ahead. They have a. I was gonna say I saw a clip uh, from that where they made uh, Sugar Mama like all gangster style. Like she oh, really? had a clip I, going on with the blue jumpsuit dancing. <laughs> I don't think I've gotten to like that old point gangster yet. rap. 
<laughs> oh, I loved it. Like I admit that scene alone maybe was like, I should watch this show. They look like they did Sugar Mama right. <laughs> it holds up. And the thing to me that is most astonishing 20 years later is that all of the voice actors still sound the exact same. And I feel like that's rare with the reboots of animations. Usually the voice actor is like like you you can you can tell they've aged. Um, and especially when, when most of the people are playing kids too, but all of the voice actors yeah. sound the same, which is really impressive. Um, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, even if you look at old episodes of like SpongeBob. Yeah. You can hear, tell like, the, the vo- difference from the, the beginning of the voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for the proud family, I don't know how they do it, but, uh, black, no crack. Apparently that, that applies to voices too. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then right after this, which is uh, why Alex and Jerome have graciously agreed to move this podcast up a couple hours from when we normally record. Uh, right after this, I'm going to see The Lion King uh, at the Pantages <gasps> Theater. Ooh. Yeah, I've never seen it before. So I'm excited. I'm, 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 I'm super excited. That's really cool. I would love to see that. I want to go to more plays this year. I have been avoiding them and well not avoiding them but just you know the person i usually go to plays with moved out of state (laughs) um so it's been hard to find somebody who's had my love of like theater around here i feel like some people begrudgingly just go with me um right i have sometimes i'll have to like some sometimes uh i'll be um i'll be dragging people to shows um but uh yeah if yeah if you if if you if you come down here, chances are there will be a show that I have tickets to because the um, the Pantages through my job they send me like the tickets to the shows for free. So um, so if you come down here, I love how I have are- to fly to another state to see a play with you. <laughs> like for me to go see a play with somebody, I have to go fly to another state. Man. So that's that. Yeah. Everything's all good. I uh I it was just about travel plan stuff, so no big deal. What were you just saying? You also can't ignore a call from your mom. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> all right. Uh right. so also side note, it's like warmer, a little warmer today uh than it has been. And also, I just cooked barbecue chicken, so now my house smells like barbecue chicken, and it's hot in here, so I have the fan on. I just had to put that in. It doesn't have anything to do with anything that we're talking about. No, no, no. it has everything to do with what we're talking about. Speaking of heat, let's talk about this movie. There (laughs) you go. There's a transition. (laughs) You took one of mine. He got to jump on you. He got to jump on you. Go ahead, Jerome. You started it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, talk about it. We're talking about do the right thing, y'all. <laughs> Fantastic uh, movie from Spike Lee. Yeah. Not his directorial debut joint. like I thought he uh, thought it was previously. I thought it was his first movie. It's not his first movie. His first movie was Wait, She's Gotta is- Have It. Um, and then after that, it was School, Day- School Days. Then it was this. So this is his third movie. Uh, feature film but this is the start of his like you know like every this movie's gotta have on the a map. this it did put him on the map and then this is the start of like every movie's gotta have a message 
gotta have like a lot of symbolism talking about the struggle of the black man in America, well, just black people in general, actually, in America. So it's it's a good one. Yeah, I did not realize how young Spike Lee was when he started directing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially from because of the fact that he's in this movie. Um, and he looks so young. I haven't done looked it up or done the math or anything, but I always imagine him however old he is right now <laughs> being 65. How old he is. He's 65 years old. Wow. Yeah. So I guess I've always just seen him as 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 65 directing all these classic movies. But no, he he started he he started young. Oh, yeah. I think it's the same with uh, Samuel Jackson, who is in this movie. You don't picture them younger, you just, right? They're they're the age you see them in now because you like, yeah. And then you're like, you see them in their younger works, and you're like, oh, that's right. You you were in your twenties. You had the you were twenty at one point, which is a crazy thing to think about. Sorry, my girlfriend's Durham also here, projected. and the dog is here. So I'm, I'm, I have a lot going on right now. All right, we heard. <laughs> here, here, move up, come here. Oh, bringing the dog up. There we go. Give oh, me doggos. Here we go. There we go. Look at him. Oh my god, he doesn't Hi, like Pupper. to be picked up. Hi, Boo. Oh, the donut. God. Oh, poor yeah, he's baby. Got, uh, he's got a little um, wound on his paw that's donut. healing currently. So oh. it's just so he doesn't lick it. But he's doing all right. He's doing good. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so he's, he's he sounds good. like he's having a blast. Yeah, he's he's playing right now. He's doing good. But Samuel Jackson's in this movie. Going back on topic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh and so is Danny Avelio. I I I, 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 I figure out how to pronounce his last name. I really couldn't. It was. Kept throwing me off. I was like, Danny Aiello or Aiello? Aiello? Danny Aiello. Um, Ossie Davis, Ruby D, Richard Edson, and many, many more. Oh, you're talking about the side characters. You're not going to mention Giancarlo Esposito or starring Spike Lee himself. Like he directed it, or but he's Rosie also Perez. In it. Or Rosie Perez. Rosie Perez. I didn't know this was Look, her first movie. Do the right thing did a lot for your community. Rosie Perez did bad for my community. <laughs> what did she do? That character. Oh, the, oh, yeah. you're talking about the the stereotypical. <laughs> she played a Puerto Rican in that film, yeah, but like that's still part of the Latin representation, and that is not how we were. It was still a good movie. She still played an amazing role and she did really good and the character was very funny and i do like this movie because it had such a although there were it was a very serious topic it was it had such a heavy comedic feel to it too because it kind of, yeah. that's what made it feel real and that's what i make jokes about when there's like i made a joke about get out where a lot of people were talking about like the microaggressions in there and stuff like that and i was finding hilarious because that's something I deal with on a daily basis. And eventually you have to find this little humor in these microaggressions or you're really just going to wear yourself out all the time, unfortunately. Mm. And that's what this movie, I think, still shows to this day is that like 
A lot of racism, a lot of microaggression. But this, we find this is not microaggression. This is easily macroaggression. Well, I'm saying <laughs> no. Ra- I said racism, and as well as microaggressions. <laughs> there's a weird humor you find in it because that's how you have to survive something sometimes. No, this movie was just racism. <laughs> yeah, the word. Have, had either of you seen this movie before? watching this uh like or before doing uh doing it for the podcast uh a long time ago i remember seeing parts on tv but i haven't yeah. seen the whole thing in full from start to finish he's saying um, i watched it a long time ago like in pieces not like the whole thing mm-hmm. from front to back i watched the full thing but like like you guys said it's been such a long time that i can remember bits and pieces of it but I couldn't tell you the whole film before rewatching it now. I just remember the and ending, man. and I remember Radio Rahim's like love and hate speech. Those were like the two things that I remembered uh, before. And man, the the cultural relevance that it still holds to this day—you mm-hmm. could change one or two things, and you could believe that this was this takes place in 2023. Because uh, honestly. Things ain't changed yeah, that much. Especially right now. Like, an iPhone, yeah. Like, just a couple weeks ago, we're still dealing with the same stuff. So it's kind of, mm. it's crazy to think about. And you're kind of like throughout the whole movie, it leaves you, it's really the end that is the most impactful. Everything's kind of like leading up to it. It's kind of like a slow burn type of film. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like, almost kind of like a slice of life film until you get to the end where all of the pieces come together. Yeah. And then yeah. like, I and like the, the ambiguity of the ending though, I think is cause it, it left me like thinking and it's left a lot of people thinking. Apparently there's a lot of, I was looking it up. There's a lot of um, think pieces on if Mookie did the right thing, you know, because it's like for mm. different people, that answer changes like by throwing the, the by starting the the uh revolution against the pizza shop you, you can see that's what i'm saying you call it a revolution it's just a straight up riot like, like there's there is no there is no like we yep this will definitely solve problems it's like no it's just <laughs> we're just angry and we can't we can't go against the police so this this bur- pizzeria is burning down <laughs> like that's just the way it's gonna happen but I like, but at the same time, it's like you've got some people that Pizzeria had it coming. Well, that's the thing. It's like you have some people that feel that way. You have others that are like that might feel like. I mean, did 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 the pizzeria deserve to die for for the for this or whatever? It's like you've got so many different angles uh, from a lot of different people, and I think that's the best thing about this movie is that it starts conversation. It um it it gets people thinking and it gets people talking about these issues and who's right, who's wrong, why, so on and so forth. Because there's a lot of up and down, I feel like, in this movie. Because you have, like, just with Sal's character being the person who owns the pizzeria, for the longest time in the movie, he's not wrong. Like, granted, you know, he should, like, pay a little bit more respect to the Black community that he's a part of, for sure. But at the same time... It is his place of business. If he don't want to put up pictures of black people on his wall of fame 
or he wants, uh, you know, or his you know, rules of the business is that he doesn't want you playing loud music because you're disturbing customers or whatever. If you're in his restaurant, that is like he is allowed to make those rules. Now, outside on the street, he don't got no jurisdiction there. But inside his place of business, absolutely. But <laughs> then you hit that ending and then things just go whole other whole other side of it so it's just like but then at the same time you you understand where uh um radio rahim and um i don't know why i can't remember the bugging out are like coming from too yeah so there's like there's this part of it where you're like who's wrong who's right like who's technically like the antagonizer here or whatever the case may be. And it's kind of an interesting, I think that's what makes the movie interesting for me. Yeah, I, throughout the movie when, uh, uh, what's, what's older brother's name? Um, oh, uh, Pino. Yeah, Pino. When he's saying all of, uh, when he's like, just blatantly, saying all of that all of that stuff to Mookie. I'm like, boy, why you why you ain't saying nothing? Why you why you just taking it? <laughs> and then I see at the very end, it was all built up and leading to that. I'm like, okay, yeah, now I know that it, you weren't just like it wasn't just sliding off your back. You were actually internalizing it. Um so that was that was interesting to me. I thought there was there was so many like layers to the film. Um, the aspect of music and how it literally was almost nonstop throughout the whole film until the whole riot started. Until uh, his his um, boombox boombox got smashed. That's when the music stopped. I thought I I really think no. <clears throat> took note of that because it felt like the tone and the pace shifted so dramatically then. Um, well, because it, like, because I, 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 I even said it while I was watching it when the, as soon as the radio got smashed, I was like, so is he just Raheem now? Because, you know, without the radio, <laughs> I mean, he's just pretty sure he can eventually <laughs> find a new one. Um, also, he's probably gonna really save like, plenty of money. Like the man that. had to buy twenty D batteries to power the damn thing. So, oh man, do, do you guys ever have one of those giant? I never had one of those. Not the giant. But one. I remember my dad had one, had but it was like, boxes, it wasn't working by the time like I even acknowledged it because it was in the garage. The amount of uh, cassette tapes those things have probably eaten in their lifespan. They're like, we're not going to live long, but we're taking out as many cassette tapes as we, we can. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mookie's character. I think Mookie's character was so interesting because they were 25 in the movie. Was Spike Lee actually 25 at the time? Probably. Like I, I he just started directing up, I did around the, math. the time he was, he was like he was 23, his, I think. He was in his like 30s. He was, he was like 30, early 30s. Oh, when okay. He directed this movie. Gotcha. I just looked oh, okay. it up. Um, well, they, they, he was said to be 25 and like that age range is so interesting to be in 
because before that you're still you know you're young you're you're considered a teenager still you're just a kid but 25 is like you're still too young and still too old for stuff so it's very much a milestone in life where you're forming your own collective ideas more permanently you're less influenced by your parents but definitely still influenced by the environment that you're around so Mookie's in this place where he now has to be the, you know, influence for his son too, the way he wants to represent not only himself, but what he what his son's going to see. And going through all this, you know, it's not just about well, it's not I think it's not just about like Mookie figuring things out and going like that, but also trying to figure out things for like how he wants his son to see the world too. Because you got to think about the violence at the end. It's like, well, how do you go home and explain that to your kid at the same time? See, I think that's very interesting that they aged them that way. But I, I'm going to be honest. I like I up until the end, I was like, I, I don't know if I can rock with Mookie, man, because this is this man is, is out here slacking. OK, <laughs> like the man has a very, very simple job and it's not like he goes far. All he has to do is deliver pizzas. And he can't even do that without spending time just like in between the deliveries, just hanging out with his friends, taking, at one point he just goes home and takes a shower. And a long one at that. And it's just like. It's hot. Okay, so do you not want to get. At the very, like, okay, but at the same time, you want to complain about like, uh. Pedo talking smack about like, oh, Mookie, I do more work than Mookie does. Mookie doesn't even work. And then it's like, I mean, he's not a hundred percent wrong. Like you do the bare minimum to say you do your job. You deliver some pizzas, but the amount you could possibly deliver if you were actually focused on the task, you would deliver twice as much. Home and take showers. Right. <laughs> In the middle of the day. Well, going around like Brooklyn and New York has got to be difficult. That's not just one simple delivery. You got traffic. You got different neighborhoods. Things are inaccessible. Especially was he? I honestly forget. He was. Was he driving a car? He was walking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was walking. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. All he right, didn't so go the, far. He, like he always went it's... around the the block he lives on. Because <laughs> he said he said I never deliver a cold pizza. So. It couldn't be that far walking. <laughs> I mean, again, there's heat wave. It's not going to get cold too quick. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's true. You I don't know, know why, it might be hot I don't know why outside. I'm trying to defend this man's job. <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to defend this man's job. And besides, I think it's interesting, too, because it's like he's he has a son, but I don't. I honestly don't think his son is going to do well. <laughs> Cause his dad's barely around, and his dad's a loser. Dang. Like he is. Wow. All right, he is. Mind you, like remember, at the end of this movie, he has no job. What is he going to do? So, <laughs> he burnt. So he you literally bore, burned down his job. Yeah, wait, wait. It's like the eighties, though. It was a lot easier to get a job back. That's kind of true. But Mookie's they track didn't record, have to apply online. Mookie's track record follows him, though. I feel like every like even his sister was like, "Yeah, this is the only job you've had w- been able to keep for longer than a month." <laughs> I was gonna say, I was just speaking of this. I was just about to say, so Jerome, if you would have been in this movie, you would have played the role of. I would have been. I'm on his sister's side. She's the only one in this movie where I'm like, "You're pretty cool. Like you're you're understandable. You're down for the cause, but you also have common sense." I can respect his sister. His sister's got a good head on her shoulders. Everybody else is kind of tripping. 
to a degree. Same thing with Radio Raheem, where I'm like, I mean, I know the radio's like your identity and all that, and you got a lot of respect on the block because you have this cool radio that's got a great sound system and all. But here's a question. How do you pay for D batteries? Because I last time I checked, you're really sure stuck on that D batteries, not <laughs> No, it's more the fact of like Radio Raheem and and but uh, bug it out are both asking for respect, but they don't do shit. They don't work. <laughs> they don't do anything. All they do is slack off in the streets. <laughs> like, I mean, I some of some of Radio Raheem's uh, lines, I was I was I was dying at when, especially in the scene. <laughs> when um he was talking to um the the owners he was he was talking to the owners of the um the bodega oh the korean family um, mm-hmm. yeah and and they were and he was like he was like joking with them but also like oh i don't think he was joking i think he just honestly was just kind of racist <laughs> towards the korean well that family. well that well 100 <laughs> but like the way the way the scene I love, first of all, I love the way the scene was shot. Oh, yeah. Um, And secondly, um, like, he was laughing in the middle of it. And I was curious in my own mind. I'm like, is this an actor choice? Was this, is this adding a different element to the dialogue? Um, Was this in the script for you to, like, laugh and joke with them or whatever? Um, So I thought that was... Or do you think he just went up to this random family on set and started being racist towards them? (laughs) I bet it wasn't even part of the script. He was just like, I'm just going to go do this. It's Bill like Nunn extra is family. just a racist man, okay? <laughs> Towards Korean families. Um, I will say that's, I think the coolest thing about this movie, you know, all jokes aside, is that this, uh, I will say this movie is definitely a movie that you have to be a person of color to just like hop into. And I say that because we don't get a lot of backstory on a lot of these characters. But given their roles in their dynamic of the you know the block you know the street they live on you know exactly who these people are like you know who demayer is without knowing anything about him you're like oh yeah i know an old man who just like hangs out on the street he's like and a lot of people call him a bum but he's like he knows everything about the street he's been here since like 19 oh whatever and he's like and you know when he comes around he's like hey give me a dolly young blood you just like man and then you just give him a dollar because that's what you do like everybody knows that person everybody knows a, a mother sister who's just an old woman no it's let me hold a dollar let me hold a dollar young blood <laughs> so you know it's just like there's like mother sister where she's like hanging outside the window just being nosy but also cares for all the kids in the neighborhood and stuff like we know like most people of color know an old woman like that like it's just there's just these characters that exist in our culture that just that you just know so if you're watching this movie you don't need backstory for these people because you already have it like ingrained in just experience of living life as a person of color whether you be uh hispanic or black or even asian or whoever so i think that's really cool like that this movie has such a uh, great beat on minority people also there's Um, a heavy also, there's a heavy New York influence. Sorry, Alex. Oh, for sure. No, I was gonna gonna make a joke. I was like, when the movie started, and I saw all those people hanging out on the steps and stuff. I'd make a joke to my, my sister. And me, uh, both smoke weed. We do it. Um, just you know, not a lot, but we do smoke. 
There was one night we were smoking together outside when we lived in Lake City, just on the steps of our apartment. And I started laughing. And I was like, you know what's funny? I'm like, back in the old days, I'm like, my mom was trying to prevent this. <laughs> Being one of the ones who hung out on the streets, on the steps of their apartment smoking weed. Yeah. And I'm like, it's funny how it's more socially acceptable now to do that. Compared to like when you're looking at movies like this, where they were considered well, like, you know, good for nothings. Well, especially because they're teenagers, too. Even though they are all clearly not teenagers. They are all clearly people in their 20s. (laughs) But they're supposed to be teenagers. Uh, Because, I mean, you look at Martin Lawrence and you're like, there is no teenager alive that has a full mustache (laughs) like this. Martin Lawrence was killing me in this movie, though. (laughs) He was... I forgot he was in it for some reason. This was like one I of his know. first movies. He didn't. He hadn't done movies yeah. yet until. Then. And he looked so young. He's another one where I'm like, you've been the same age for a long time, and to see him young was a little jarring. But uh. yeah, apparently he was on the come up. Like he was just now really getting into stand up and becoming famous. And Spike Lee saw him, and they became friends. And he was like, "You want to be in my movie?" And so that's how Martin got this role. And this was like his first role, and he still thanks Spike Lee to this day of like this being like his big break for him, you know, personally. That he is like, I got in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he looks um, so was... much older now. I hadn't seen him in a while. <laughs> He's supposed to be doing Bad Boys Four. He's supposed to be coming out. Right. <laughs> How? How? How is can he still? Did move you hear the like joke they the made about that? It's... Did you hear the joke they made about that? They were like, No. So we made Bad Boys for Life. But it was the third movie. What are we gonna call the fourth? Because <laughs> the third one was Bad, Bad Boys, Boys Forever. For you... What do you mean? Yeah. Everybody, it's very clear. Bad Boys for Life. How is Bad Boys for Life and the Bad Boys Forever? Because there you can that put the four like, in it. Like that looking, sounds looking like back... that sounds like a cheap knockoff. I'm gonna get in a, in the market. <laughs> right. Looking back at them, it, it'll be like, okay, which ones? Which ones? Bad Boys. Is the third one Bad Boys for Life or is the third one Bad Boys Forever? Which one? They just didn't think it out through. Um, but anyway. They didn't think there was no, going to be a It'll fourth. be Bad Boys That's for why. Real. There we go. <laughs> it still sounds like a knockoff. They got to do something with a five. Just just jump numbers. It's fine. Nobody will notice. Right. Just call it Bad Boys, the eighth one. Call the fourth one the eighth one. Call Just do there something. There you go. Just skip, and then people will just be constantly Googling, you know, bad boys movies. And that's how you get, like, higher numbers on, like, Google searches and shit. It's people trying to find these other movies. But um, uh, but anyway, in, in addition to the, I was going to say earlier, in addition to the, like, cultural relevance, there's a lot of, I guess, like, geographical relevance with um, New York also kind of playing a character mm-hmm. Bedstein in particular they especially uh, got uh he asked the, for them to paint the buildings a specific way for this movie so that they would be warmer colors to help like accentuate the heat of the movie which is why uh those three the three older guys like where robin harris and them are sitting is why that wall is just straight bright red to help emphasize like yo it's hot <laughs> right and and it well that worked it it definitely helped play the story um and the idea that like you know i've never lived in new york but watching it on tv and talking to people who have and like i guess visiting myself um there is such a like communal aspect of Mm -hmm. uh these boroughs that um especially when you have a character like 
Sal and his family, and they have like <clears throat> there is this disconnect between cultures. It really stands out, especially when everyone's in such a like New York is big, but it's kind of small in in the as in the aspect of there are so many people packed into like tight areas. Um, yeah, man. That can certainly cause for tension as as well because you have all of these different people from different cultures and different walks of life all in one one space, and they're trying to you know cohabitate. Well, because you got like I know just in New York alone, you got Chinatown, Little Italy, like Jamaica Queens, and then like Harlem, and then just like all these different little neighborhoods that are all like separate from each other, but get kind of had the same way of life, surprisingly. <laughs> like and it's. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the costumes or the outfits. Uh, you know who was the costume designer for Do the Right Thing? Was yeah. it Ruth Carter? Yes. Ruth E. Carter. Well, e. at the time she was credited sorry, as Ruth yeah, Carter in this e. movie, but yes, Ruth E. Carter. Oh, is she? Yeah. She in the that I was, just a, that. That was yeah. just a guess, but I didn't I didn't realize, but that was just a guess. Wow. Yeah. yeah uh, we Ruth never e. got Carter, to guess ask Ruth her Carter. about Do the Right Thing that much, did we? When we met her. No, not too much. Because we kind of, we saw that part at the end of it after we had met her. Right. Lovely woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. Very, She's really nice. Very nice to, yeah, take her time, out of time out of her day to just uh, talk with us. Very nice when She did the outfits for Black Panther and uh, what's the, the movie? Salem. Or uh, Selma. Well. Selma. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm X, too. Also called Sam. Mm-hmm. That's right. It was very, it was very cool to meet her. And what I love most about the outfits is just the colors. They're always so beautiful and bright and vibrant. And I think a lot of times when it is a cultural movie, sometimes the colors get a little dim because they're supposed to represent like, you know, the sadness of the story they're telling or the struggle or things like that. But it's like people of color actually dress very brightly. Yeah. Because <laughs> there were like, uh, I know it was a, uh, a lot of Puerto Ricans that were supposed to, or a hefty amount of Puerto Ricans that were. I was like, that's Latin. Latin people dress very brightly colors all the time. Maybe not me so much. I do look better in black <laughs> and reds, but as I show. Um, but I do love the color choices she chose. I think a lot of times when people are trying to dress in movies for people of color, they choose like dimmer colors. They don't choose as vibrant and bright. And I think that is such a big mistake. And this movie clearly shows that these colors are very complementary to the skin tone. Mm-hmm. I agree. I especially like uh, Rosie Perez's outfits in the beginning. She has some pretty fun ones. Uh, plus, she's busting a move, man. She's out here busting a move. I was about to say, <laughs> for about the first solid five, six minutes, just... And it looks like at the once once it gets to like the, the fourth or fifth minute, it looks like she's like slowing down the dance moves. It's like, dang, Spike, you got you got me dancing all this time. Like, he's really? like, keep dancing, Rosie. <laughs> I'm out of moves. We'll mix them up. <laughs> we got, we gonna do this whole. Public, you know how much money we pay for this Public Enemy song? All right, we are gonna play it for the entire Please, movie. Every second. Yeah, every two every seconds, you gonna hear second. Public Enemy. <laughs> Oh, it's like uh, Arcane when they played that Imagine Dragons song. For real. Every no, this is worse. They got. This is way worse. I wouldn't know. Because like, 
Yet I'm the one who needs to try harder. <laughs> I, I, cause it's like public and it's like, I, I do love that they address it though. We're bugging out. It's like, yo, do you have anything else? He's like, well, you don't like public enemy? I do. It's just, I, I listen to other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only that's because like, at first when like it started the tape started dying i i first i didn't think it was the radio dying i thought it was the tape because the, the tape had messed up because i'm like yeah because you play this cassette like 90 times a day every day what do you expect to happen the cassette because every you uh kids watching this now you don't know nothing about cassette tapes you can only play it but so many times okay Eventually, if you don't take care of your tapes, you keep playing it on repeat, it's gonna get messed up. <laughs> it don't work no more. Right. It's not like it's not like Spotify. You can't you can't do a Spotify wrapped <laughs> at the end of the year and it's gonna show is Alex Frozen? I think she is. I think she is, but that is the perfect face. <laughs> I was like, wow, Alex is holding very still. <laughs> <laughs> expertly done <laughs> uh, but anyway it's not you can't you can't do spotify wrapped at the end of the year where it shows oh you played the song 500 times no your cassette is gonna be wrapped it's not gonna be spotify wrapped your cassette's gonna be wrapped <laughs> and we lost alex officially all right we lost alex. well we thought Streamyard would be better Damn. than zoom but Apparently, StreamYard is, <laughs> has the same problems. Dang. She didn't get kicked off last week. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, you know, we feel like this is as good as time as ever to just, like, you know, if you're enjoying the show so far, uh, feel free to, you know, send us five stars uh, on any all mm-hmm. our podcast sites. Leave a review. Tell us how you're liking the podcast. Are you, are you feeling it? Are you not feeling it? What can we do better? Comment below. Um, also on YouTube as well. You know, if you're watching the video version, comment below. Tell us uh, what you're thinking and uh, how, how, yes. how you're liking the review so far halfway through. Uh, <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> this would be a good time for us to have a sponsor right now, too. Like, if we had sponsorships, <laughs> we just throw that in there in the middle. Just be like, uh, you know, well, you know, speaking of uh, of uh, food... In, in that reference to the pizzeria, to, it brings us to today's sponsor, HelloFresh. Uh, HelloFresh, delicious meals. You can get delivered to your door right now uh, if you use the code hashtag first ones to die um, and then get uh, 20% off of your next order of HelloFresh. HelloFresh, delivering fresh meals. I don't know what the heck that was. Something just fell in my apartment. <laughs> oh, did you <laughs> Something's going on. I don't know what's happening. Alex getting kicked off. Jerome has a ghost. This has been the weirdest podcast. Were you seriously doing HelloFresh advertising while I was gone, trying to figure out what was going on with my internet? I come back to HelloFresh. Yep, that's right. We've been sponsored by HelloFresh. I didn't tell you. I bet we could. I feel like HelloFresh kind of sponsors everybody now. That's true. HelloFresh and Raid Shadow. We should look into that. They're everywhere. I'm going to Google them after this. <laughs> if my internet works properly. Yeah. Actually, I made this joke at work because they asked, uh, the desk I was supposed to originally sit at was like with the rest of the doctors and medical assistants. But I chose the one that was like hidden in a darkened room, you know, away from everybody. And they're like, oh, why didn't you sit next to the windows? I'm like, I'm like a raccoon. 
I just like to pop out of nowhere. Eventually, you'll see me, and then I will quickly walk away. Like, that's how it's going to be. And same with this podcast. Sometimes I just disappear off into my dumpster. Um, but eventually I come back out. You'll you'll see me again. What I miss? Uh, my mom is calling me again. I am in the middle of this, doing this show. This, this podcast. All right, this I'll be right back. Go. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't. I genuinely don't know. Next time this I was need, a. I need to... You need something going on in your life, Jerome. Right. Next, no. Next time I need to like pop. Well. I have a I have a hard stop in about like side note. We don't have to include this in the episode, but I have a you hard know, stop. We're, cl- we're including everything. Okay, cool. I have a hard stop in like twenty five minutes because I have to leave um, to go to the Lion King, which is amazing. I'm so excited for you. I will have to just fly down to California apparently to get a to see a play properly. <laughs> um, I know because I've been having to I've been having having to decide like okay who. Who am I gonna ask to come to the show with me this time? Because if it was, if you were down here, it'd be like, okay, Alex, bet. My mom says hi. Like, oh. <laughs> All right, tell her I said hi to you. Or when you when you used to talk to her next. Yeah. Did you know Rahim's Radio Rahim's boombox uh, is in the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture? I mean, that's fair. Oh, we got smashed. No, they have multiple. <laughs> In fact, we had one for the exhibit. When we did the Ruth Yarder exhibit at the Mopop. Mopop. Yeah, we had one of them. You had the boombox? Yeah. No, probably not the one that's in the Smithsonian, but we had a boombox that was the similar one. Well, yeah. Well, the boombox was also had not multiple. only represented of this movie, but it was also represented like the 80s. Because in the 80s, you had a boombox. That was like the thing to have, you know, and then eventually turned into like Walkmans and then CD players. Oh, CD players, man. You had to hold that at the right spot or it would skip. <laughs> the 80s and 90s, man. And now, now we deal with internet issues. That's where we are. That's where I am, at least. Um, oh, this, I don't know where to go from This here. is interesting. I'm reading the Wikipedia. It says, apparently, the original script of Do the Right Thing ended with a stronger reconciliation between Mookie and Sal than Lee used in this film. In this version, Sal's comments to Mookie are similar to DeMayer's earlier comments in the film and hint at some common ground and perhaps Sal's understanding of why Mookie tried to destroy his restaurant. Lee has not explicitly explained why he changed the ending, but his contemporaneous notes compiled in the film's companion book indicate Lisa Jones expressed Sal's reaction as too nice as originally written. Lisa Jones is a... uh, playwright and journalist that i guess he uh talks to Hmm. that's interesting too because i did think that there was a bit i mean i don't think sal i do think sal at the end of this uh movie though does have some semblance of understanding of where mookie's coming from or at the very least he's not as like like he's mad at first but I think after a while, he's just like, man, it's whatever. Like, I just wish I you hadn't done t- that. I don't like how Mookie kind of stood off to the side with his sister watching the place burn. He was almost like the candle that lit the flame. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
But he was still on the edge watching everything. And it's like, well, are you in that fight or are you not? And then to go back later and then kind of demand your pay. That's kind of shitty of you, Mookie. The whole place is burned down now. Well, he's not a good person. You want your weekly pay? Mookie's a good person in this movie. Like I, I never said Mookie was a good person. Like I saw him. Like I expected. Like when he was like, I need to go get my money. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like something you would do. It's just like I don't give a damn that your place burned down. Where's the money at? Which, if I were him, I'd be like, well, I would give you the money, Mookie, but all of it got burned down or stolen from my pizzeria back here. You remember that? You remember? Remember the pizzeria where the riot happened? I have no money to give you. It was in the register. I'm I'm reading the Wikipedia um, as well now. Uh, and it says, an open question near the end of the film is whether Mookie does the right thing by throwing the garbage can through the window, inciting the riot that destroys Sal's pizzeria. Some critics have interpreted Mookie's action as one that saved Sal's life by redirecting the crowd's anger away from Sal to his property, while others say that it was irresponsible encouragement to enact violence. The quotations by two major black leaders used at the end of the film provide no answers. No one advocates nonviolence. One advocates nonviolence. The other advocates armed self-defense in response to oppression. Spike Lee has remarked that only white viewers ask him if Mookie did the right thing. Black viewers did not ask him the question. Lee believes the key point is that Mookie was angry at the wrongful death of Radio Rahim, stating that viewers who question the riot are explicitly failing to see the difference between property damage and the death of a black man. <laughs> also, that's not technically that's correct. Uh, like, he didn't say white viewers ask him if Mookie did the right thing. He said white viewers ask him, because I saw the interview, white viewers ask him why he threw the trash can. I'm uh, sure some viewers ask him if Mookie did the right thing in his probably opinion. And that's where the complexity of why, like, I'm sure either people of color, or, you know, black viewers don't ask him because we know it's a complex question. Right. It's not, it's not about as right simple or wrong. As it, it's such that. a, as if yes or no, it's a, it's a whole lead up and it's a whole explanation and it's not a yes or no. It's a, this event led to this event and I don't know if he was doing it because of this or that. And even the writers can't really tell you because as somebody who writes, the characters sometimes just do as they please. You kind of write something and then you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting it to go that way, but I guess we're going that way now because that's how the character is developing itself. And when you're dealing with such racial issues, yeah, you know, in general, racial issues are never, unfortunately, easy things to one, discuss, and then two, explain your reasoning behind why you do certain things. And it's like, you can give a... I was explaining to somebody about something that is very common in Mexican households. And they're like, well, that's not right. I'm like, well, I know it's not right. Mm -hmm. I know it's not okay, but that's how we are raised. They're like, well, why don't you not do it? And I'm like, because we weren't taught to be that way. You know, what seems like bad behavior to you Unfortunately, we, you know, it's acceptable in our community and it's just something we deal with. And they're like, well, it's still wrong. And I'm like, it's not that simple. <laughs> Things are not that simple. And sometimes it's very hard to explain that to people where they see it as like, oh, that's horrible. And I'm like, mm, yes, objectively, I guess. But at the same time, no, it's not with a more complex look at things, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like that's why he would probably get asked more by, like, white viewers. Why did Mookie throw the trash can to 
did Mookie do the right thing throwing the trash can? Was it because of this and all of that? I can see why it slides more towards that way. I think for me, I felt at the end that it's like, I do think it's it's good that, you know, those uh, that they got their frustration out. Because I like because I think the, the alternative is them like beating up on Sal, you know, and, and uh, Vito and Pino. And while it's like one could argue that at the very least Pino deserves that, <laughs> I don't think Vito and Sal deserve that um level of treatment but i do and i do think that um you know that pizzeria like i think the the ideas in it like especially because it's like you know at the end of the day whether it's he was egged on or not sal did retaliate with also racial prejudice too and like you could even see it kind of underlying in like how uh like when pino is goes outside and antagonizes smiley who sal knows who he is and he knows that he's a you know he's got a uh, learning disability or stutter or whatever the case may be and he just lets pino kind of just go out there and he doesn't do anything he doesn't stop him until like it just goes on for so long so it's a thing where it's like like you can't say you're like oh no this community has served us well it's great but then when it comes time for you to defend it you turn your back or you you don't only do it if it's an inconvenience to you you know what i mean and so it's like well, it's a lot of that grow you grew up in one community and he grew up but he still thinks he's better because he's white in a black community and it's even like that in latin communities you know the lighter skin you are the more you believe you are better even though you are living in the same community and with the with the people. And it's that whole that's another racial issue that's that I don't think it's just like the really colorism. Discussed. Yeah, the colorism of it. Mm-hmm. It's like we are living in the same community. Your house is like my house. Everything is the same, but you still believe that you are better than me because you're lighter skinned than me, because you're white or things like that. I know in Latin community, colorism is super heavy. And we got to deal with that. And then to have somebody who's such light, uh, who's white in a black community, you know, and then passing that on to their, you know, their kids too, that belief. But then staying in community, which you're like, oh yeah, we're all part of the same thing. And you're right where he goes and does all this and is still like, well, it's only when it really suits me that we're community. Right. When it suits my business. So I do think, uh, Mookie was justified in whether you want to say it's the right thing or not to do. He was justified in his actions, given what had happened, especially with Radio Rahim. Because it's like at the end of the day, they're they're yeah they're getting into his face, but he could have just been like like just like he did with uh, with bugging out the first time. It's like just have like you know Mookie knows them. Just have him escort them out. He'll calm them down and walk out. You didn't have to take out a baseball bat and smash his radio. Or just call them niggers just straight up. Like in front of their face either. So it's like you made a choice. And now you got to deal with the consequences of those actions. I forgot he did that in the film. So when that came out, I was like, oh. (laughs) Like Gastrol, I was like, I forgot this was in the film. That still did. Ma- I I still did I mean, laugh at that though when he when he smashed his radio and I was just like, "Well, he's just Raheem now." <laughs> I was like, "Oh damn, things are gonna escalate." 
I mean, ultimately, and we saw this, you know, in real time a couple of years ago in 2020 after George Floyd, there were riots uh, in the streets. And a lot of people would say, why are why are people doing this? Like you have no respect for uh, have you no respect for property like blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately, you know, it is I, I won't be rioting in the streets, but people have to understand that there are times when people lose their lives and there are other times when people, you know, might lose their property that they can get back uh, as easy as that. I mean, in the movie, they even said uh, he was he was like, uh, yeah, the bank is going to insure you anyway. Like, what does it matter? Um, re- meanwhile, Radio Rahim is never going to get his life back. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's 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 a it's. It's an it's an interesting topic of discussion. For sure. Um, another, an, sorry, go ahead. I was, I just just agreeing agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing that I read also on the Wikipedia article. Uh, it says Rosie Perez, who made her acting debut as Tina in the film, later said that she was very uncomfortable with doing the nude scene in the film. Uh, and she's quoted as saying, my first experience with doing nude seeds was do the right thing. And I had a big problem with it, mainly because I was afraid of what my family would think. That's what was really bothering me. It really wasn't about taking off my clothes, but I also didn't feel good about it because the atmosphere wasn't correct. And when Spike Lee put ice cubes on my nipples, the reason you don't see my head is because I'm crying. I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, which that's which that's interesting. That's unfortunate. <clears throat> yeah, that's um, that's horrible. Well, because that's and that's the thing about the culture. In I I I still don't like that culture very much. Because me and my girlfriend right now are watching um, Game of Thrones, and because uh, she's never seen it, and uh, just the amount of nudity that's in the top of that show. Is just like ridiculous. But then you think about like this is the culture of cable television where they feel like they have to have like all this nudity. And then on top of that, most of it's women. It's very rarely men. And there's a lot of women that have come into the industry um, as like new actresses. And their first role is that they have to like they have to get like fully nude or they have to at least take their top off or something like that and show their like chest or something like that. And uh, to make a statement. And it feels kind of, I don't know. It just feels like in the year, because I mean, you think about like something like Euphoria, for example, where it's like, I don't know who was talking about Sydney Sweeney before Euphoria. And then after Euphoria, a lot of people were talking about Sydney Sweeney because why? Be like, like a lot of outlets were specifically talking about her from a sexual standpoint because she gets news so much in the show. But then you watch something like White Lotus where she doesn't get nude and she's fantastic. And she's great. And then it's like, but no one gave her the props, you know, gave her credit for that the same way. And so it's just, it's really crappy to know that it's like back then and even now it's still, I mean, you have some, like luckily Sam Levinson is supposedly reportedly like a lot 
nicer about it like if if sydney or any of the other actresses or actors feel uncomfortable doing a nude scene he'll just like be like okay well then we'll cut it out like we don't need it so that's nice of him but it still feels kind of crappy that that's still the culture in hollywood right now especially for a lot of young female actresses feels like he has to even write it in because sometimes it's not even organic to see and you're really just showing off nudity for, for shock value. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, was that shower scene actually necessary? No, it wasn't. It was not pivotal to the plot. That's how I felt when I watched right. Sense8, where I was like, I know it's it's cool that you're as... Because that the big thing about that show was it's like, man, there's so much sex amongst different sexualities we got gay sex transsexual like it's all it's all happening it's like yeah but a lot of this feels unnecessary and you're just doing it because you can and it's it doesn't after that it doesn't serve a purpose anymore after a while because it feels like you're just putting sex in the show because oh man isn't this shocking so it's because honestly the scene between rosie perez and uh mookie or a Tina and Mookie in this movie, you could cut it out and you probably wouldn't miss much. Not at all. So it's kind of... Because their relationship was also very just weird in general. Toxic is what it is. Not weird. Yeah, toxic. <laughs> yeah, very toxic. That's the proper using. It's a very toxic relationship. Especially because she's already told him, no, we're not having sex. And he's like... Yeah, we'll see about that. Just just starts undressing her anyway. And it's just like, she has said no like three times now. (laughs) But then again, you got to remember this movie was made in 89. So back then that was considered acceptable behavior. So it's like, I don't know. I just, I think that that's sad. That's sad to hear from Rosie Perez. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. Well, let's let's end on a happier note. What is everyone's final thoughts of <laughs> of do the right thing? I don't know. I'm now in a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think the movie still holds up, other than parts of that part. Um, it still holds up, and it's a good it's a good movie to watch and kind of discuss some racial topics if you're trying to. Also, if you're trying to figure out if somebody's cool or not, watch the movie with them and see what their reaction to the end. <laughs> How they react. <laughs> Be like, what are your thoughts? Hmm? Hmm? What do you think about uh, his death? What's going on in your mind right now? <laughs> uh, that might be a good way to, you know, gauge that's people funny. sometimes. That's fair. That's, that's fair. Yeah. There's a TikToker I watch. I love him. He's like, how I see if people are okay. He's like, oh, yeah, I don't like ice in my drinks. <laughs> And it's like referring to just the stupid way he does stuff. And I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, but I think it's a really great way to just maybe discuss open up discussion about some racial topics. I love that it's still so relevant to today. It's still something you, that has a great reflection on society. I think Spike Lee did really well in the way he directed it. His acting was really, everybody's acting was on point. Mm-hmm. Everybody did amazing work. Uh, Especially Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, this is a very different yeah. role for him. Because you look at what he's doing now, and you're like, man, where you started, you were just like a wild dude. That, like Now you're just so refined and chill. Like, <laughs> it's like Now you're more of a gentleman. Yeah, it's so weird. Before you were like... <laughs> 
Uh, I think Ruthie Carter or Ruth Carter at the time did an amazing job and beautiful choices with the costume design. Uh, I think the color she chose helped just show the vibrancy of the the culture that was around this community. Um, I didn't know about the buildings being painted. That was really cool. And that makes sense to show that it was like really hot too. Uh, without, you know, darkening them too. I think a lot of those, you know, buildings are used like dark brown or, you know, the brownstone style. So having the lighter color too made them more noticeable, made them more individual almost too. You're like, this is their home. This is their home. This is their home. So it was a unique home for them as well. Um, It is a great reflection of the 80s too. <laughs> with the giant boom blocks, with everybody on steps and just like, and... Yeah, I, I still enjoyed this film after all this time, and I think it's just a great representation and a good reflection of different communities as well. What about you guys? Agreed. Yeah, I... Um, it was, like I mentioned earlier, it it kind of feels like a slice of... You're getting these individual stories mm-hmm. that all kind of come together at the end. So for the first maybe like hour and a half, hour 45, it feels like all of these separate stories, like a slice of life movie, but it's all woven together by, by the ending, by the music. The music transitions are uh, incredible. Um, the acting, the comedy in it, those three dudes, Every time they came on screen, oh, I was laughing. Robin Harris mm-hmm. can turn anything into gold. Like he just, the man just is a legend. Like he's a, he's just a comedic legend. I'm, I was surprised to see him in this movie and I'm glad he was in this movie because he was great. It was, he, yeah, he was great. The, the one-liners and I'm sure a lot of that was not script. I'm sure a lot of that was improv. Oh. Them just, oh yeah. Oh yeah. If yeah. not all of it. Just having fun, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really that was really enjoyable. Um, I want to know why they call yeah, you yeah. Sweet Dick Willie. Who named you? That? <laughs> 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 Who did name him that? Who would name that's him that? That's just okay. So that's just a black thing. Like my dad has a bunch of friends when he grew up in like like uh, North Charleston that also have names like that. Where he's like he'll like we'll run into people in the street and he'll be like, oh yeah, that's Frog. I'm like. Who the hell named him Frog? Like, that, he's like, like, and that's just the nickname they got. Dick Willie. <laughs> yeah, but Sweet Dick Willie, that's something else. That's like, mm-hmm. that's either got like a good story or an embarrassing story behind it. <laughs> it. It's like a story, but it's like, which way is this gonna go? But like, oh, okay, cool. Or like, oh, dude, you let them still call you that after that? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I really just enjoyed their dynamic. Uh, and a lot of the dynamic between the, the cast chemistry was great. And I feel like it was a good representation of um, what it was like to live in uh, in Bed-Stuy during the 80s. Um, I, I have no reference of that because I was not alive in the 80s, nor did I ever live in Bed-Stuy. But from what I've seen on TV and media, <laughs> and again, talking to people, it seems like it was a good representation. Uh, you know, we've talked about some of the, like, the critiques and the controversies controversies which i think are very valid and um under like understandable especially the uh the um the the nudity stuff um 
he also there was one point in the movie where I was like, did my did my video skip or something when they go to kiss when Mookie and then it and happens Tina go again to kiss, and then it goes again. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like, wow, this was, this was left in. I don't think that was, a, it didn't, it didn't look I like think it was that a, a is intentional, but I don't know why. <laughs> I can't for the life of me figure well, out Well, if it why. was, I don't think it was executed the best way. Um, <laughs> Cause it looks like he just accidentally left in. Like he forgot to edit out. A mistake. That, that other take. Yeah. 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 So, uh. So yeah, that those were those were some of the um, things that just stood out to me. Uh, but overall, excellent film. It deserves to be in the like AFI Hall of Fame or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and preserved uh, and you know talked about, uh, especially now because it's very relevant. Yeah, I think this movie is Jerome. fantastic. Um, I think it it. It definitely still has relevancy, but I think the biggest thing for me is that it still has the power to really spark conversation because it's so it's so divisive and you don't have like there's no clear answer. Like, you know, even if like we feel like Mookie did the right thing, someone else might have a different opinion. And especially because like, you know, that w- that movie was made in 89. And then, you know, of course, in 92, you have uh the um rodney king uh situation happened where the those two co- those cops got acquitted and led to the la riots so it's almost like this movie predicted the future but then it's like you look at like today i feel like especially teenagers today i'm curious what they would have to say about this film now because there's so much that's still relevant but there's also a lot more different mindsets now than there were back then in the 80s and uh, going into the early 90s like a lot there was a lot more unity in the black populace than there is now in the internet U-N-I-T-Y. age yeah <laughs> so it's just interesting i would i would love to see that i would love to see like a film class of like teenagers watch this movie and then see what all of their different takes are about it or if it's all the That's same a take good point. Yeah. so um they do have i don't i don't know if it's still up but at the academy museum they do have a spike lee uh exhibit or at least they did for a long time i, I think it's i should still be up there um last year was it last year i think it was last year um he released uh his book called spike and um i went to the academy museum because he was doing a signing there and so i got to meet him and um he signed uh his his book that's on my coffee table right now oh cool yeah yeah i think that would be really interesting because uh teenagers they are also fucking crazy (laughs) There are a lot more anarchy than our generation. Pizzerias are just um, gonna start getting trash cans thrown through them, but like all yeah, over the place. Like, <laughs> you're right. I think sometimes there is a lack of uh, community within certain cultures nowadays with the, the newest generation, but they're also just crazier. Um, so I could see them going for a pizzeria or two. <laughs> so that that would be an interesting to hear their thoughts. Um, right. But I think overall, just like as a film. You know, removing just the the how good the commentary is in it, it's just a really good, well put together movie. Like the cinematography is awesome, the characters are great, the acting's fantastic. 
I love I do love the costume design and the set design in it. I think it's just so lived in. Like you feel like this is a neighborhood that you could just grow up in. Uh, I know we didn't talk about him a lot, but Sam Jackson's narration throughout this entire movie is fantastic. Like he's just he just carries a life to his voice, and it almost makes me wonder. I'm like, man, if the acting thing didn't work out, Sam, radio host, that could have been you because <laughs> you got the perfect voice for radio. You got the voice. Um, but uh, this is just a great movie. I think more people should watch it, especially people of color should watch this movie at least once in their lifetime, just to you know have some conversation at least if you live in america I, I feel like if you watch it in england like you'd appreciate it but i don't think you'd <laughs> i don't think you'd get the same impact <laughs> if you didn't live in the well, states i mean racism and injustice are everywhere it's true but it's just the fact of this is very much a like this is what it's like to be a black man in america type movie so I, I i don't know how much you would get out of it if you watch this in like new zealand or something <laughs> <laughs> um but you, you still watch it anyway just to just to be in the know um also i couldn't help but the whole time watching this movie thinking this was like an early version of baby boy because <laughs> the plot's similar we're dealing with a dude who doesn't really like who's like who's out here kind of slacking who's got a baby mama that he barely takes care of and a son he kind of doesn't see and he's like and he lives with other people he doesn't have his own place or his own car you know, like there's a lot of similarities to Baby Boy, <laughs> which is funny because it's made by Spike Lee's That's, like you're not wrong. His uh, Spike Lee's uh, close uh, comparison, which is John Singleton, who's also big at this time too, making Boys in the Hood and stuff. So, uh, well, with that being said. Um, that's our review of Do the Right Thing. Um, socials. And we got to do a speed run because I got to go. Fair enough. <laughs> J- uh, Jerome. You can find me at not Jerome Rhett on Instagram as well as at RoboZooMedia and at Jerome underscore the underscore show. Hey, Boobo. Uh, to see other things that I'm working on. <laughs> so, yeah. And then also, of course, follow us on the YouTube channel at The First Ones to Die. But also, um, check out our social medias at the first i'm just gonna do the whole thing so that way we don't have to do it later check out all our social medias at the first was die including tiktok facebook instagram for updates on all that type of stuff we're doing but check out the youtube channel for extra content you can't get on the audio platform stuff like uh book reviews mini reviews gaming content and video versions of all the podcasts and more so there we go alex go you can find me at Alex and Nobody on Instagram and on TikTok. TikTok's the first one to die. There's also where I'm at posting little clips, uh, future reviews we may do, and me ranting about movies I watch while I'm high. Jonathan. <laughs> you can follow me at Jonathan Keys on Twitter and Instagram, wherever you please. Uh, next week is our Valentine's Day episode, so stay tuned for that. We are going to be reviewing None other than Valentine's Day video. Yeah. Hey, babe, you want to be on the I'm Valentine's Day episode? It. I never. She said, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll, I'll have we'll Gibson on, on the Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> um, well, Cheddar's not that loving. That's not fair. I got nobody then. <laughs> Cheddar's a dick. Look at that. But we'll see y'all next week for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.